Amen. Well, take your Bibles this morning and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Very simple message this morning, but I hope one that will be a help to you. Uh, looking at this from a little bit of a historical perspective, I don't, I don't know if the Apostle Paul was, a, uh, was an athlete or not, but he certainly knew about athletics. And, you know, the Bible talks about a little bit later on that, that his body was just, you know, he was, his physical appearance was nothing to be uh, uh, put on display. Let's just put it that way. And um, I don't know if that was because he was involved in all kinds of sports or not. I know that my body is torn up from being in sports my entire life, uh, wrestling and soccer and basketball and all those other things and doing it, you know, 100% and, and just, you know, I'm 39 years old. I feel like I'm 69 years old sometimes, you know, my knees and my back and my elbows and everything else, you know. But the Apostle Paul, either way, he knew a lot about athletics and, of course, he knew his audience as well. And so just outside of the city of Corinth on the Isthmian Plain, was a, uh, they, they held the triennial Greek games. They did it every three years, and, and at the time of Paul's writing, they were even more popular than the Olympics. They overshadowed the Olympics, and uh, the Corinthians were very proud of those games. It was, it was the chief glory of their city. They held them in the same place every year. They had the huge uh, Colosseum and all of that stuff that people would come to from just miles and miles around to participate in the games, but then also to watch these games taking place. And so Paul really in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 draws on this, this important athletic event for an illustration of how to live life in view of the judgment seat of Christ. One of these days we are all going to stand before Jesus Christ. We're going to stand before him at the judgment seat. Those who are saved are going to be judged on their works, whether they're, uh, whether they're gold, silver, wood, hay, stubble. Those who don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior are going to be judged at the, at the great white throne judgment, and they're going to be cast into hell, sadly. But every one of us is going to stand before God someday. And every one of us is going to be judged before him. And Paul is giving them some, some lessons, if you will, from these athletic events and how we can live our lives that would... That would uh, be, be more for the Christian, uh, earn more rewards uh, for those who, are saved, those who are not saved to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Uh, Paul pictures a race here, and essentially what he's saying is, is run. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. He's basically saying, hey, there's a lot of people that get out there and start running the race, but only one person can win. Only one person can win that prize at the end. Get out there and try to win the race. That's what he, Run that you may obtain. Verse 25. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul is urging every believer to get involved in the race. Try to win. Train to win. Work hard at it is what he's saying. Christianity is not a spectator sport. We, we don't sit around on the sidelines and watch the Christian life pass us by. We're the contestants. We're all in the race, like it or not. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are running a race. It's just a matter of how well you are running that race. I don't run near as much as I used to, but I, 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 when I was younger especially, I ran a whole lot of races. And I've run, I've run four marathons. I've done a host of half marathons and more 5Ks and 10Ks and five milers than I can count. Uh, I did a lot of training for running. 
I got to the point where my wife even knew what worked and what didn't for me. And, and she would come out there and, you know, on, especially on some of my really long runs, she would meet me in the car with a water bottle and a wet towel, you know, especially on these hot summer days when you're out there running in 90 degrees and, and humidity and everything else and training for these marathons and things that were coming up. But uh, I was able to post some pretty good times especially when I was younger and in, and in shape, or, or maybe I should say better in shape. I'm not, you know, I'm not huge right now, I guess, but uh, I, I certainly feel a lot, a lot heavier than I used to be. I'm about 30 pounds heavier than I used to be when I was running, but um, no matter if it was a 5K, no matter if it was a marathon, there were some principles that applied to every single race. There were some principles that applied to, to the way that I had to train if I was going to post a good time. And again, for the most part, I was running against myself. Not obviously you're running against other people. I was never, even though I, you know, there was a lot of races where I was near the front, I knew there was, I was never going to win these races. Some of these guys are just unbelievable. In fact, I have, I have a couple of cousins. Um, one of them graduated from the University of Michigan um, and was a star um, uh, uh, runner for them and actually just signed a professional contract uh, to run for Brooks Running or so. I forget exactly which one it was that he signed a contract for, but it's in my family. My dad was a runner. Some of my brothers run. You know, a lot of my cousins run. And, and, and you know, he, uh, my, my cousin that I just mentioned graduated from the University of Michigan, uh, went to get his master's degree at a smaller college and broke all the records at that college last year just because, you know, he was, he's, a, he's a great runner. Uh, but the thing is, you don't just get out there one day and decide, you know what, I'm going to go run a race, I'm going to break records, and I'm going to win, I'm going to beat this time, and I'm going to do all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of training that goes into it. There's a lot of principles that you have to apply. There's a lot of things that you need to learn about running if you're going to be good at it. And the same thing is true with any other sport. You know, you see these NFL players and the NBA and these guys, and you're like, oh, you know, they, that's, that's no fair. They're born that way. And a lot of them are. You know, I mean, you're not going to the NFL unless you're born with a natural talent to be able to play football. But if you know the work that those guys put into it, even as talented as they are, even, even being talented, you're not getting to major league level unless you put in a lot of work, unless you sacrifice, and unless you really make that effort. And a lot of those guys do that, and that's why they're good at what they do. But I hope it's your desire to run a good race in this life. And I want to look at some things this morning. Like I said, a very simple message, but it will help us to run a good race. And, and honestly, at the end of the day, to achieve the prize that God has for those who do run a good race. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a couple of these principles here this morning. Father, we love you again. We thank you for the opportunity to be here. I pray that you'd bless the message. I pray that you would... Uh, help us to gain something from this that will help us in this Christian race, this, this race that we're running called life. God, we, I, I believe every single person in here, if I was to ask for a raise of hand, would say they want to please you with their life. They want to run a good race. And so, God, I pray that this message and the, and the verses that we look at this morning will be a help to us in trying to accomplish that goal for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for all that you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to get there in a second. But probably the simplest thing, if you want to, go, want to run a good race, is the first point, and that is to start the race. You're not going to get very far in a race if you don't start, right? Uh, it, it sounds simple, but there's a lot of people that never get up off the couch and go out and run. And if Saturday morning rolls around race day and you're still sitting on the couch or you're still laying in the bed when the race starts, it's going to start without you. You're not going to, very, you're not going to finish very well if you're still laying in the bed or sitting on the couch when that race starts. It doesn't matter how good of a runner you are, if you never get out and prove that you can run a race in a certain time, you're not going to accomplish very much in the way of running. 
And the same thing is true when it comes to the Christian life. There's a lot of people that never actually start their spiritual race. They don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they've never entered that race. If you, you haven't accepted Christ, then you're pretending to run a spiritual race, but you're not going anywhere. You might have a lot of other people fooled. There's a, uh, some runners decide to run as what they call a bandit. And it's, it's not as popular as it is now because there's timing chips and everything else. It used to be that all you had to do was put a number on, and you could go out there and run the race, and they would just record the numbers. But, but, but runners who run as a bandit get out there and run the entire race course. Now, they don't cross the start line usually. They'll jump in you know, from the crowd. They'll run the entire race, and then right before the finish line, they'll jump out. And they're not necessarily doing it for uh, you know, a time that's going to be recorded in the newspaper or something like that. They're doing it because they want to get out there and run the race. But they're a bandit. They didn't, they didn't register. They didn't pay the fee. They're not wearing the chip on, their, on the back of their number or on their shoe. They're, they're not getting an official time. Nothing is being recorded. They're fake running. They're, they're faking like they're running the race. They're faking like they belong with everybody else in that race. But they're a bandit. They've jumped in. They, they, they don't belong there. And there's a lot of people, I think, that, that are running as bandits in the Christian race. They look just like everybody else. They're pretending that they're running that Christian race just like everybody else. Many of them even think that they belong in the race, but they never officially started the race. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 7, and I think we mentioned this last week, maybe the week before, in verse number 22, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I say to them, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Right? He's talking to people who are in positions of leadership in churches that are saying, hey, we did all these wonderful things in Jesus' name. And he's going to say, I don't know who you are. And the same thing is true with a lot of people who are pretending to run that Christian race. They act like just like everybody else. They come to church. They go to, the, you know, they're involved in ministries maybe even. They, they get involved and they do all kinds of stuff for the cause of Christ. But they're running as bandits. They've never entered the race. And you're not going to run a very good race. You're not going to end up with a very good time. You're certainly not going to win the prize at the end of the race if you haven't even started the race officially. You need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can never cross the finish line and get a medal for completing a race if you don't start. It's very simple, but if you want a good race, want to run a good race, you have to start the race. Number two is this. You have to pace yourself. Turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. One of the biggest mistakes that people make in a race is that they start to run somebody else's race. And by that, I mean that they get excited. They feel pretty good, so they start to run with somebody that's faster than they are and faster than their pace is, and they end up getting worn out. They end up halfway through the race stopping and, and bailing out of the race, or they end up with a far worse time than they would have if they had just run their own race. Well, they start feeling so badly, so they start running with somebody that's a lot slower than the pace that they should be running. A few years ago, and I've run the, the, uh, the, the Monument Avenue 10K almost every year since I've been in Virginia. I haven't done it 16 times, but it's been pretty close to that. And, and when, I was, when I was in really good running shape, I, I was posting some pretty good times, and I would finish in the top 50 or so of that race. And I took off running on one of those races, and I crossed the first mile marker at 5 minutes and 25 seconds. And I knew that that was way faster than what I should have crossed that first mile marker at. I jumped in at the front of that race. My, the times that I had posted before that, they basically seed you based on where you should be so you don't get stuck behind somebody that's running a two-hour race or something like that. 
But I jumped in with these guys who were way faster than me, and I took off running with them, and I felt good. And so I started running, and the next thing you know, I crossed that mile at 525, and I said, that's not good. I have five more miles to go. And once you know it, mile two, three, four, and five were not good miles for me. Still ended up posting a pretty good time at the end of that race, but I jumped onto somebody else's race. I started running way faster than what my pace should have been. I should have, I, I, I should have based it on my own training. I should have based it on what I knew I was capable of doing. But the spiritual life has to be paced as well. A lot of times we start comparing ourselves to other people. We get in this race and we, you, know, you might look at your life and realize that you have a lot of improvements that you need to make to get where you need to be spiritually. And you start looking at everybody else and you start saying, oh, I can do that. And you jump in and you make all these changes in your life and you start running at 100 miles an hour and the next thing you know, you're getting worn out. The next thing you know, you're falling away and you're not even in church or whatever else. You, 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 start, you start running out of energy before you even get to one of those things that you need to change. You need to pace yourself. Pick one or two or three things that you know the Holy Spirit has been speaking to your heart about and say, I'm going to focus on this, I'm going to get it right, and then I'll move on to the next thing. If, if, you, want to, if you want to make it work and if you want to really shore those things up, you have to run your own race. Listen, you're, you're in church with people who have been in church their entire life. I'm 39 years old. I can count on one hand the number of times that I've missed church growing up and in my adult life. I don't, I've, I've, I've never missed church, and, and that had a lot to do with my parents more than it had to do with me. But you would think that being in church for 39 years, I would be farther along than somebody who's only been in church for two years, and it, and it should be that way. But you, as, a, as, as somebody who's been a Christian for a year or two years or five years, looking at somebody else who's been a Christian for 40 years, you might say, oh, there's so much that I got to do. Let me get it all done at once. And you start trying to mimic somebody else who's been at it a long time, and the next thing you know, you're giving up because it's hard being a Christian sometimes. It's hard living that consistent life sometimes. And you need, you need to run your ways. I'm not giving you an excuse to not be where you should be, but a lot of people get overwhelmed and they give up altogether. It's better to work on a few things that you can handle and get a good handle on those things to be able to move forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. But the opposite of that is usually true. It's not usually that people are looking at better Christians and saying, oh, I need to do all of those things. Most people start looking at somebody who they think is a, is a worse Christian than they are. They start saying, you know what? This pace is a whole lot easier. It's a lot slower. I can handle this. And look at all the people that are still behind me. I'm way better than all of those people at least. Look where I am in my spiritual race, right? And we start comparing ourselves to other people who are running a much slower race than they should be, running a much slower race than we should be, and because we're comparing ourselves to them instead of other Christians who have gone on before us or to Jesus Christ, then we run a pace way slower than we should run. When I was in shape, it would have been a shame for me to get out there and run a 10-mile minute, I mean, a 10-minute mile, a 10-minute mile. That would be pretty impressive, wouldn't it, a 10-mile minute? Uh, a 10-minute mile. Because that was way faster than the pace that I should have been running. And, you know, you start to, you know, you're running fast, and you start to get to the point where you, oh, man, my side hurts a little bit. Man, there's 30,000 people behind me. I can slow down a little bit and still look pretty good to everybody else, right? And a lot of Christians do the same thing. They're not running their own race. They're running somebody else's race. Look what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse number 12. For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they, 
measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. Who should we be comparing ourselves to? Jesus Christ. And hey, I, I may be able to look around at this world. I may be able to look at Christianity in this world and say, wow, I'm way farther ahead than they are in their spiritual walk. But that doesn't mean that I'm better than them. It doesn't mean anything else. And I shouldn't be comparing myself to them. The Bible says those who compare themselves to each other are not wise. We ought to be comparing ourselves to Jesus Christ. And when I compare my life to the way that Jesus Christ is, I fall far short. And so I need to pace myself. I need to make sure that I'm doing what I should be doing in my life. But I need to be moving forward, and I shouldn't be doing it by comparing myself to others. I should be doing it by comparing myself to Jesus Christ. To run a good race, you have to start the race. You have to pace yourself. But number three, turn over to Hebrews chapter 12. You need to discipline yourself. It's very easy to get distracted in a race if you allow yourself to be distracted. Uh, if you've ever run a race, you know that they have drink stops along the way. In a marathon, they have drink stops almost every mile, sometimes every half a mile, because they know that people need that, that hydration. And they have Gatorade, they have water, they have lots of other stuff. In fact, I ran one race one time that had pizza at one of the stops. And that was kind of the, you know, the, the, whole, the, the whole thrill of it all. You know, you can get pizza at these stops. And they, sure enough, you were going by and they were handing out slices of pizza to people running past, you know. And a lot of these guys are just out there having fun. They're grabbing the pizza and eating the pizza and drinking Gatorade and everything else. But I tell you this, they're not running a fast race with a Gatorade in one hand and a piece of pizza in the other hand and a belly hanging out in front trying to run the race, right? But that's the way that most people are trying to run their race. And they're not disciplined in their spiritual life. And they get distracted by all the things that the devil is going to try to put out there to keep you from running a good race for Jesus Christ. Now, they're not putting pizza out there because they're trying to slow you down. Uh, but a lot of people are slowed down by it right? And some things that might not even be bad in and of themselves that become a distraction to you in your spiritual life do become a hindrance that essentially could become a sin because it's keeping you from being what you could be for the cause of Jesus Christ. Nothing wrong with taking a drink on a race. Nothing wrong with grabbing a water as you run by and drinking it and, and whatever else because you need those things, but you have to discipline yourself not to let it become a distraction. In fact, one year when I was running that, that 10K, somebody, there was a group of college kids that were standing there with a the sign on the side of the road that says, drop out of the race now and we'll give you $100 and all the pizza you can eat. I don't know if anybody took them up on the offer or not, but they were standing there with that sign. Of course, they were making a big deal about it. Everybody's laughing as they went past and everything else. There's a lot of things out there to try to be a distraction to you in your spiritual life. The point of the race is to train, to start, to get the best time that you can, and then get to the finish line and possibly even win the race. But think about a runner who decides that he only wants to be comfortable during the race, right? You can't believe that somebody would actually take the time and the effort to go out and train and, and you know, not eat the junk food and, and uh, get out there every single day and put miles under their belt, Right? Oh, what, how crazy would that be? And so he goes out there and he said, you know what? I know I'm going to get thirsty. So, you know, I'm going to strap a two liter of Mountain Dew to my back and put a straw around there. So that way I can sip that Mountain Dew whenever I get thirsty. Right. And oh, you know what else? Um, I'm probably if I'm running this long race, I'm probably going to get hungry. So he carries a box of fried chicken on his back, too. He can pull it out anytime he gets a little bit hungry while he's running that race. Right? And, well, then, if you're going to eat chicken and Mountain Dew, you've got to have dessert afterwards, so I'm going to bring a pack of Ho-Ho's with me, right? Those Swiss cake rolls and, and oatmeal cream pies and all these other things. Got to make sure I'm comfortable during this race, right? I've never seen anybody in all the years that I've been running. I've never seen anybody run a race like that. 
And it, and it would be foolish to run a race like that. That's not how you run a race, right? It's not how you get a good time. That's, that's the opposite of being disciplined in getting out there and running that race. But there's a lot of Christians that do exactly that in their life. You know what? It's hard being a Christian. It's hard living for God. It takes discipline to do what's right. But you know what? I'm not worried about that. I'm worried about being comfortable. So I'm going to go chase after that money. And I'm going to go chase after those things. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make sure that regardless of whatever happens, at the end of the day, I want to be comfortable in my Christian life. So they don't stand up for the cause of Jesus Christ. I'm not, last thing I'm going to do is go out there and get made fun of for being a Christian. I'm going to keep that to myself. Nobody's going to know that I'm a Christian, number one. Number two, I'm going to do things in my life to make sure that people don't think I'm a Christian because I've got to be comfortable. I'm not going to get made fun of out there. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number one says this. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I've heard, a, I've heard messages preached on this passage many, many times. And I'm not saying that people are wrong when they preach this, but I think they miss the point of a lot of it. Because the Bible doesn't say, let us lay aside the weight, which is a sin, that weighs us down. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin, which does so easily beset us. You know what that means? There are things in our lives that are not necessarily sins that are keeping us from running our race as effectively as we can for the cause of Jesus Christ. And something that is a weight may not necessarily in and of itself be wrong, but if it's keeping you from being what God wants you to be, then it's something that you need to get rid of if you're, if you're going to run a good race for the cause of Jesus Christ. It could be anything. Money, the Bible doesn't say money is the root of all evil. That's a mistake that people make a lot of times as well. What does the Bible say? The love of money is the root of all evil, right? And that's a sin. Love of money is a sin, but sometimes money in and of itself is not bad, but it can be a weight. It can be a distraction because now instead of getting out there and serving God, instead of getting out there and doing things for the cause of Jesus Christ, I'm doing things for money. And it may not be that I love it, but I need it, so I got to go do this instead of going and doing that for Jesus Christ, and it's a weight that holds us down. There's all kinds of things that would not necessarily be wrong in and of themselves, but there are weights that hold us back. The same way that somebody's not going to go out there and run a race with ankle weights tied around them and, and a weight vest, right? They might, they might do that for training to help them, you know, get a little bit stronger and everything else. But on race day, you're trying to be as light as you possibly can, right? You, you're, trying to, you're trying to get out there so you can run the best race. You're going to drop those weights. You're going to get rid of them so you can get out there and run that race to the best of your ability, and that's what God is telling us we need to do. We have this great cloud of witnesses that's watching us, everybody that's already gone on to heaven. And I think it's pretty interesting that, that, you know, this great cloud of witnesses means that those who have gone on before us probably are watching us. You know, I mean, they can't be everywhere at all times. They're not God. They, they you know, they can't, they can't answer our prayers. They can't do those kind of things. But they're a cloud of witnesses, and I think they can watch who they want to see down on this earth, right? And we have all those people that have gone on before us, and God says, hey, Think about all those people. Now get rid of those weights. Get rid of that sin. Get some discipline and get out there and run your race for the cause of Jesus Christ. And then we've memorized verse 2, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, right? We should run our race the same way that Jesus Christ ran his race, with discipline, with focus, he had a mission in mind, and he accomplished that mission. 
And Jesus and God was pleased. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2. It's very easy to give in to the desires of the world. The devil's not going to put things in front of you that he knows you're not going to bite on, right? He's not going to put the things, you know, for me, the, the devil knows that I'm not tempted by alcohol. He's not going to put alcohol in front of me and say, go take a drink of that. I'm not falling for it, right? I mean, I've never had a taste of alcohol, and I don't even know what it tastes like. It's not a distraction for me, right? Same thing with drugs and some of these other things. Now, that might be something that somebody who was saved out of that lifestyle, he puts that in front of them and uses that as something to try to get him distracted with, right? But there's a lot of other things that the devil knows that can be a distraction to me that he's going to put in front of me to try to get me sidetracked, right? And, uh, and all of it has to do with the world. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And then look what he says in verse number 17. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What a promise. It's not easy to stay away from the things of the world. Otherwise, God wouldn't have to tell us to do it. We would just do it naturally, right? It's hard to push away from those things. It's hard to keep from getting distracted by those things. But those who are able to discipline themselves and put aside the things of the world and stay away from the things of the world, the he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. What a promise. You have to discipline yourself not to stop at every distraction. You have to have the discipline to set aside those sins and the weights that are going to threaten to throw you off track in the race. To run a good race, you have to start. You have to pace yourself. You have to discipline yourself. And lastly, number four, turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. It just goes without saying. You have to make it to the finish line. If you're going to, if you're going to run a good race, you have to make it to the finish line. When I was running marathons, I trained and trained and trained. I was trying to break three hours for a marathon. And my best time up to that point was three hours and 16 minutes. I had to knock 16 minutes off of my time, which in a long race, it sounds like a lot, but it's, it, and it is a lot, but it's not that much. But I'm trying to break three hours on a marathon, and I trained and trained and trained and trained. And what ended up happening was I, I overtrained. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I ran too many miles, and what happened is I got a stress fracture on my ankle, and one week before that marathon, I couldn't even put any pressure on my leg. So I went to the doctor, and I said, I have no idea what's going on. I said, but I can't even walk on this leg. I got a marathon in a week, and I've been training for this thing for months. I'm trying to break three hours. What can you do? What can I do? And he said, he said, you probably train too much, and you have a stress fracture on that ankle. I can give you a cortisone shot. It'll probably last for about a week. And it should get you through that marathon. And I said, all right, give it to me. So he gave me that cortisone shot, and I felt great. I didn't run very much that week, but the marathon was on Saturday. And about Friday morning, I started feeling a little bit of that pain again in my ankle. And I said, man, I don't know if this is going to work or not. But I had trained for, for so long, there's no way that I was going to let this marathon go without going out there to run. And so... Saturday rolls around, and I got out there, and I started running that race. And at mile 13, I had a two-hour and 51-minute pace. And right about mile 13, that ankle started acting up. 
And between mile 13 and mile 17, my pace slowed down to where I, when I crossed at mile 17, I had exactly a three-hour pace, and I had nine miles left to run. And I knew there was no way that I could keep that pace up for nine miles with the way that my ankle was. And my dad actually happened to be in town, uh, and so he came to watch the race, and he was on a bike because he was, you know, going to these different, different spots where he knew that he could see me running past and, you know, how you doing and whatever else. And I got to mile 17, and my dad was there on the bike. And he could tell that I was in a lot of pain. He could tell that I was not doing well. And he said, what's the matter? And so I, he kind of rode with me for a little bit as I was, like, barely moving. And I said, this ankle is acting up so bad, I can't even hardly put any more pressure on this thing. I said, I, could, I can hobble to the finish line and get done and finish the race, or I can drop out because I've already finished three marathons before that. I don't need to run nothing. I don't need to finish to be able to say that I finished the race. I said, I can drop out and live to run another day. And he said, if I was you, I'd drop out of the race. And it was the hardest decision probably that I've ever had to make in my life when it came to any kind of sport or whatever else. But right past mile 17, I, I dropped out of the race. My dad gave me the bike so I could ride back to the car. I, I can't tell you how disappointed. I was so upset at not finishing that race that I didn't run for a year. And that's why I'm fat now. Because I never got back in shape after that. But I didn't get credit for running a two-hour and 51-minute pace for half of that marathon. Didn't get credit for running a three-hour pace for 17 miles. Because as far as they were concerned, it was a DNF. Did not finish. And there's a lot of Christians who do that exact same thing in their life. They start out. They're, they're going for God. They grew up in church. They're living for God. They're doing all of these other things. And the next thing you know, they're dropping out of the race and they didn't finish. There's a time limit on how long you have to run a race. Many times in a marathon, it's like five hours, six hours, because they gotta block traffic for all those people to go run. And if you don't cross the finish line in that amount of time, then it doesn't matter if you're still going, you don't get credit for finishing. And some people, I've seen this happen before, where you know what, I'll just run on the sidewalk, but I'm gonna finish this race, and they cross it six hours or something like that. And in their mind, they finished the race, but they didn't actually get credit for it. If you're wandering around lost when the time runs out, you don't get credit for finishing. If you were behind the time because you were loaded with things that didn't matter, Mountain Dew and chicken wings and all those other things, it doesn't matter what the reason was that you didn't finish. You didn't finish. If you're so distracted by the refreshments and the people on the course that you didn't cross, then you don't get credit for crossing the finish line. The devil's going to do everything he can to distract you so you don't make it to the finish line in your Christian life. And I think it's better to finish well than it is to start well. It's great to start out well. It's great to start out well. The problem is you don't get credit for starting. You get credit for finishing. Sometimes you may get to the starting time, starting line a little bit late. People who are saved knitting got saved at 38 years old, right? Got to the starting line a little bit late. It doesn't matter what time you start. It matters how you finish. It matters what you do with the time that you have in between the start line and the finish line. And it's how you finish that, that matters. It's how you finish that counts. Sometimes you might take a, a wrong turn in the race. I've seen it happen where somebody was leading the race and ended up turning the wrong direction. And everybody else kept going. And this guy realized well past the time when it would have been convenient for him to turn around, that he actually took a wrong turn. 
And even though he was leading the race, he turned the wrong direction and ended up way behind first place. Doesn't matter what happens. Doesn't matter why. Doesn't matter if you got distracted. It doesn't matter if you got lost and went in the wrong direction. Get back on track. Finish the race. That's what matters. If you're in good shape, you can always make up that time at the end of the race. Other people are tired or slowing down. You can push on through and make a good time. But making it to the finish line is the most important part of the race. Nobody wins the prize. Nobody wins the prize until they cross the finish line. And someday, someday, our race is going to be done. We're going to stand before God. And like Paul said, hey, these guys are all out there doing it for a corruptible crown. We're doing it for an incorruptible crown. We're doing, we're doing it for something that they can never take away from us. Somebody who runs a race gets, especially, especially in that time period, they got, a, they got a crown that was made out of leaves. You know what happens to leaves after a couple days? They get brittle. They crumble. They fall apart. What does it count for after a week? You got this crown that fell apart, right? Great job. You went out and ran that race. You broke records. You did all this kind of stuff, and you got a crown that's going to fall apart, right? I hear all the time about these Olympians who are selling their medals online to try to make money, right? And it's sad that they have to do that, but listen, it's just a corruptible crown. It's going to pass away. But this race that we're running, this spiritual race, this life that we're running for the cause of Jesus Christ is something that will never pass away. Look what the Bible says in first, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. I'll tell you one thing. There's no better feeling than to know that you gave everything you had in that race and you beat the time that you were trying to beat. Or you won. I won one 5K in my life. It was probably 250 people that ran it. There wasn't that many people in the race. I won one time. There's not many things that feel better than going out there and training and working hard and disciplining yourself and then accomplishing the goal that you set out to accomplish. Sometimes with running, sometimes with you know, batting, sometimes with throwing a football, whatever else. There's all kinds of different sports. But it doesn't always feel good while you're going through it. It takes a lot to override that feeling of, man, if I just slow down, it's going to feel so much better. Oh, this hurts. Oh, man, my side is killing me. But you just keep pushing through, keep pushing through. Paul said this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord... The righteous judge shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. We went yesterday, took Nitton around Richmond. He's getting ready to leave, and he's been waiting for a tour, so we finally gave him a tour of Richmond. And we went to Hollywood Cemetery. And there in Hollywood Cemetery, there are tombstones after tombstones after tombstones of people who died in the late 18 or early 1900s, and, and many of them are different than they are today. They had big, you know, ornate sculptures, and they had, you know, nice little paragraphs about their life or whatever else. I think probably the thing that we saw carved on the tombstone more than anything else was, I have fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. That's how you finish well. That's what I want to be able to say at the end of my life. You know how disappointing it's going to have to be to, to at, you get to the end of your life and you say, well, I started a good start. I 
started fighting a good fight, but I, I didn't finish. I dropped out. I got distracted. I moved away. Paul says, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. No better feeling than, than getting out there and accomplishing your goal. And the, on the other side of that coin, there's not many worse feelings than getting out there and not accomplishing what you set out to accomplish. You didn't discipline yourself or you didn't get up off the couch and take off running or whatever else. But you didn't push hard where you knew you could have or what you should have done or you just didn't do your best. Not many feelings, not many worse feelings than that. Some people have more talents and abilities than other people. That may give them an advantage in a race. But I, I read an old poem that said this. Proud were the mighty conquerors, crowned in Olympic games. They thought that deathless, deathless honors were entwined about their names. But dead was soon the parsley leaf, the olive, and the bay. But the crowns reserved for Christians shall never fade away. You may be fast, you may be slow, but if we're like Paul and finish our course, then you have to run to the base, your race to the best of your ability. God's given some better talents than others, but it's not about what you accomplish or all of those other things. It's what you accomplish with what God's given you. And it's how you discipline yourself to run the race that God has put in front of you to run. To do that, you have to start. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're not in the race. You've never started. You might be looking at everybody else around you and saying, oh, look at me. I'm doing the same thing that everybody else is doing. But if you've never started the race, then you can't finish. But you have to pace yourself. You have to discipline yourself. And you have to make it to the finish line. Keep going for God. Keep serving him. Keep disciplining yourself. Stay away from the things that the devil is going to try to use to distract you from living for Jesus Christ. Because I can tell you this, I've, never, I've obviously never been there, but one of these days when I stand before Jesus Christ, I can imagine there's not going to be anything better than hearing him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You finished your course. You kept the faith. Henceforth, there's laid up for you a crown of righteousness. I'm the Lord. I'm the righteous judge, and I've been saving this for you. Well done. You ran a great race. Here's your crown. This is a crown that's never going to pass away. That's what I want. I hope you want the same, because that's what God wants for you. Father, we love you. Give me thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for an opportunity you've given us to be here this morning. Holy Spirit knows every single one of our hearts. I don't. I preach the message because I believe this is the message that you laid on my heart to preach for today. The Holy Spirit knows what everybody needs and how to apply it. And so I pray that he would. And God, I pray that you'd help us, every single one of us, to run a race that's pleasing to you. Ah, so that one day when we stand before you, we can hear that same thing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. So we can say with Paul, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. And receive that crown. Ah, you wouldn't offer us the crown if you didn't want us to use it as a motivation to live for you. And so, God, I pray that each one of us in here this morning would be motivated to set aside the weights, set aside the sin, discipline ourselves to not be distracted by the things of the world and to live for you. 
And God, where decisions need to be made, I pray that they'd be made this morning so that we have a whole church full of people who would just finish their course. Keep the faith. We thank you for what you do for us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would